listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. I'm excited to begin a new series today that will lead us into our church's 17-year anniversary service. 17 years. In September, we're going to celebrate 17 years. We're almost an adult. Like, we're getting close, right? And, and here's what I want to just declare right now. It's some of you, I, I, if you're new here, if you've been around here for very long, you know. But if you're new here, I need you to understand something. We are a Bible-believing church. We are a Bible-believing church. If it's recorded in God's Word, we believe it. We take it literally. I said, we take this literally. This is the Word of God. And God's relationship with humanity is told within these pages. But what we have to understand is that this is not the complete story of God. It's not. This, we, we don't know nor can we comprehend the story of God. But his relationship with us is told within these pages. And so I want to take the next few weeks and I want to help us understand the history behind this simplistic yet complex relationship between God and man, between God and humanity. Um, I've I've been working hard on this. I I, I want this to be life-giving for us. And in this series, here's what we're going to do. Starting today, we're going to look at the creation. We're going to look at the chosen. We're going to look at the Christ. We're going to look at the church. And finally, we're going to end it with the comeback. Just so you know where we're heading. Today, we're going to start with the creation. Then we're going to go into the chosen, the Christ, the church, and then the comeback. And, and I know that I will not completely convey his love for us. I, I want to so bad. I know I'm going to fail miserably, but I'm going to try. I, I want to try and help us understand where we fit in. So let's open our hearts. Let's open our minds to receive from his word as we discover his story, history, his story. Father, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that I have today. Lord, all I want to do is convey your heart. I just want to make sure, Lord, that that we understand where we fit in as it relates to your story. So God, thank you. Thank you, first of all, for creating us. Thank you, Lord, for putting breath in our lungs. But God, give us ears to hear. Give us minds to understand today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I told this story before, but if you don't mind, I would like to tell it again because I have the microphone. But it just fits. It just fits. And so I just felt like, man, I, I can't let this, this message go by without at least sharing this with you. You know, it, it goes like this. There was a scientist that once said to God, he said, we don't need you anymore. He says, science has finally figured out a way to create life out of nothing. In other words, we can do, God, what you did in the beginning. God replied, he said, oh, is that, is that so? Do tell. The scientist said, well... You see, we can now take dirt and form it into the likeness of you and then breathe life into it, thus creating man. God said, well, that's very interesting. Show me. So the scientist bent down to the earth and he started to mold the soil and God interrupted and he says, oh, no, 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 no. He said, get your own dirt. (laughs) In order for us to gain a correct understanding of creation, We must begin with the gospel of John, not the first book of the Bible, Genesis. We'll get there in just a moment, okay? We're going to get there. We'll be in Genesis chapter 1 in just a few minutes. 
But we're going to start in John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, because this is so interesting, though God does not possess an origin story, because he's always been, don't try to understand it, you, you can't, our finite minds can never wrap our minds around God has always been. So though there's not this origin story, there is information in our Bibles that predates creation. And I want to show it to you. There's actually a couple of verses here that predates creation and shows us what was happening. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word. Now I want you to notice in your Bible that that, that word, Word, is capitalized. It's, it, it's the name of, of someone. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. How many of you are thankful today that you're a child of God? Amen? That when he talks about this, we are children of God. He's talking about us. We have been given the right to be called the children of God. Now, church, the theology that is expressed here is that the word, capitalized word, the word, Jesus, was with God before creation and he was God and that all things were made through him. That's what John said. He said he, he, he was, was, was with God and he was God and all things that were created were created through him. So not only was Jesus present in the beginning, he was an active participant in the creation of the world and all things that we know. He was there. Now, there are many creation stories that originated in the ancient Near East. Now, some of you may not be familiar with that term, the ancient Near East. The ancient Near East is considered the cradle of civilization where life began, initially advanced, and dispersed from there. I can't explain it to you, but when Mandy and I had the opportunity to visit Israel, there was this place, there was this one morning we were in northern Israel, we were near the old ancient city of Tel Dan. And, and, and this morning, that, that, that particular morning, we, were, we, we, we crossed over this bridge walking. We crossed over this bridge and there, were, there was this rushing stream river. Just, I mean, you would be swept away if you fell into it. Loud rushing waters. But just a little ways down the path was the most peaceful place I've ever been at on the planet. I'll never forget it. I looked over at Mandy and I said, I feel like we are in the Garden of Eden. Rushing waters behind us, but there were still waters right there in the middle of these trees. We were shaded. The sunbeams were coming through. Early morning, sunbeams were coming through. There were, we had a, a, a little portable speaker and there was worship music playing and just the way that the fog was, everything was just so perfect. The water was only six, eight inches deep, crystal clear. You could see the, the bottom. And I remember this path. And the way that the, the sunbeams were shining down this path, 
I remember thinking and just looking, and I was like, God could walk around that corner at any moment because the Bible says that he walked with them in the cool of the day. And I was like, this just feels like that moment, like God is going to come walk with us. It, it, was, it was one of the most majestic moments of my life. The ancient Near East, where life began. It included Mesopotamia, ancient Egypt, ancient Persia, Anatolia, Asia Minor, the Armenian Highlands, the Levant, Cyprus, and the Arabian Peninsula. It was in the ancient Near East where year-round agriculture was first practiced. It was there where the first writing system and the first alphabets were created. <clears throat> the first of centralized governments and empires were formed there. The first currency was established there. The foundations of astronomy and mathematics were introduced right there in the ancient Near East. Even the invention of the will had its origin in the ancient Near East. As I stated, there are numerous creation stories that find their origins in this part of the world. It's interesting to note, though, church, that, that many of these creation stories parallel the story of the creation story that we find in our Bibles in the book of Genesis. Many of them do. Take, for instance, in the Babylonian account, there are the six days of creation, just like in, in the book of Genesis, and, and they're in the same order of the biblical account. What is important for us to realize is that as the, these creation stories were told or sung, they would often make them into a, a song so that they could sing them to their children to help them memorize these creation stories. So as they were being told or as they were sung, they were not told with the purpose of proving something scientifically. That's important. They were not told with the purpose of proving something scientifically. You see, I, I know this. I, I know that, that mankind has always been on the quest for knowledge. We're going to talk about it in just a moment. But, but remember at the very beginning, Adam and Eve, they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because they wanted to know something. The problem with us right now is that we have become so scientifically minded that we want to prove the existence of God. What you have to understand is that our hunger for knowledge, it does not dictate whether God exists or not. Science exists because of God. I said science exists because of God. Science doesn't prove or disprove the existence of God. We have to take the Bible at its word and we have to, to, to understand that there are some things in this world that are just supernatural, that are beyond our, our ability to comprehend. So what they would do with these creation stories that were all coming out of that part of the world, the, the, the question that each creation story answered was, which God was the creator and who do we trust to protect us? That's all they, that's all they cared about. They didn't care about uh, um, you know, proving something scientifically. It was which God was the creator because we want to know who we can trust to protect us. And in all of these ancient accounts, there is always a battle that takes place before the creation of the world and all that's in it. And here's how it often played out. Whichever deity won the battle would, would, would form the world out of the carcass of the defeated deity. Time and time again, as you read these creation stories, 
that, that's really the crux of it. That's, 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 that's where it flows from. Whichever deity, the fight between two, two powers, whichever one defeated the other one, he would create the world, he would create humans, he would create all that there is out of the carcass of the dead deity. Formed by a strong, good God, but out of an inferior, bad material, thus explaining humanity's shortcomings. Therefore, these creation stories stated that the victorious gods were making something out of something else. And it's important for you to remember that. These stories were saying they were making something out of something else. Again, the question wasn't how was the world created? The question was who? Who created the world? Who do we look to that will fight for us, protect us, and provide for us? Which deity do we trust? Now, let me bring you back in because some of you are thinking I've lost my mind now, okay? Just stay with me. The greatest difference in all of these creation stories and the creation story in our Bible is the fact that the God of the Bible did not have to defeat anyone for his right to create the world. As the creator... When he got ready to create, he just created. Nor did he use any other material to get him started. He didn't use the carcass of a, of a defeated foe. He didn't borrow dirt from another deity. No, he started with nothing. The God of the Bible simply spoke. That's it. He just said it. And with his words, things were formed out of nothing. It's hard for us to comprehend this, but he just said it. And, and it happened. That church is what we call creation. Anything else is recreation. If you take anything else and you make it into something else, that is recreation. God did not repurpose old materials to create this world. And he certainly didn't repurpose old materials to create us. Just the sound of his voice and the words that he used, it caused things to be. When he spoke, it just happened. Things were formed out of nothing. John 1 and 1 again says, in the beginning was the word. It was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He just spoke the word and it was the word that caused things that were not to become materialized. The word is what false religions didn't have. The word is what separated the God of the Bible from the idols and from the graven images. The word was the power to create. John 1 and 3, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. You see, we live in a world right now that has many voices. There are so many voices. There are voices right now in your head trying to distract you from hearing the word of God being taught. We have so many cares, so many concerns. We have so many opinions. And it seems like everyone has an opinion about everything. And, and those voices, they are changing culture. They are canceling people. And they are corrupting minds. That's what's happened. That The voices of this world are changing culture. They're canceling people. And they are corrupting minds. But what those voices cannot do is they cannot create. They don't have the power to create. They can recreate, they can recreate a thought process, but they can't create the mind. They cannot create the human body. They cannot create all that is. They can recreate, only the creator can create. And on day one of creation, there was nothing. Don't forget that. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. On day one, there was nothing. 
On the very first day of the very first week, it was dark, it was void, and it was empty. Then God began to speak the word, and that word was Jesus. John told us that in chapter 1. And the word was with God, and the word was God. It was Jesus, capitalized W. And he just began to speak the word. And as he would speak the word, things started to appear. Speak the name of Jesus. Church, listen to me. You got to learn to speak the name of Jesus over every one of your circumstances. You got to speak the word when there are no words. You got to speak the word when all you can hear are other words and other distractions. Learn to speak the word when society is screaming, when politics are pronouncing, when opinions are all over the place. Speak Jesus and watch something become out of nothing. Watch what God can do. But church, we've got to learn to speak the name of Jesus once again. When he began to speak, creation began. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created. Just say God created. It's not up for debate. You better start teaching your children this because they're trying to reprogram them. They're trying to recreate their minds. Why do we have to prove anything scientifically? Why? It's God. God created. And you cannot prove to me that, that life began because of... Listen, if there was a big bang, it's, it's because God caused the big bang. And it was very organized when he did it. It was not chaotic. If what, however it, 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 it happened, however it manifested when he spoke... It was God that caused it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2 says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. He's just speaking. Let there be light. And there was light, and God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. You see, church, on the first day, God created light, day, and night. Stay with me. On the first day, God created light, he created day, and he created night. It seems like there's something missing there. I'll get there. On the second day, God separated the waters above from the waters below, thus creating the atmosphere. On the third day, God pulled back the waters below and created the dry land and and vegetation and plants. Here it is. On the fourth day, God created the sun, the moon, and the stars. You see, some of you are scratching your head right now. You're thinking to yourself, but on day one, he created light. And there was day and there was night, but, but we don't get the sun until day four. I'll tell you why. Because the light of the world, Jesus Christ, the word of God was there in the beginning. And he was giving all the light that was needed in that moment. The light was present. So on day four, he finally decides, oh, I'll give them something to look at. The sun, the moon, and the stars. On the fifth day, God created the animals of the seas and the birds of the air. And then on the sixth day, God created the land-dwelling animals. And then he created the real purpose of his creation. Mankind in his image. This is the reason why he did everything else. 
The first five days are all in support of this. He was just creating an environment where we could live and where we could thrive. But on day six, he creates mankind in his image. Genesis chapter one, verses 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Male and female, he created. It's not even a sermon that I'm I'm not even trying, but I I just feel like I'm stuck here. It's like like that record needle that just gets stuck. Male and female, he created. I'm just going to keep saying it until you get it. Male and female, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You see... We don't get to recreate that. We don't get to assign genders. We don't get, don't get me started, church. Cancel me all you want to. I don't care. I don't care. And when the creator decided that he wanted a family to to, to, to bestow his love upon, he created us. Don't look at it as he created Adam and Eve. No, he created humanity. He created us. When he wanted a family, he breathed life into me. The greatest honor of our lives is being created in the image of the creator. Think about it. It is the greatest privilege of my life to know that I am created in the image of the creator. Church, God has blessed me throughout my years of of ministry, my years of life. I've, I've been able to travel and see some amazing things. I don't take it for granted. I, I realize what God has done. You see, I've stood on the, on the top of Pikes Peak in Colorado, and I've looked across the majesty of the Rocky Mountains. I, I have swam the coral gardens of Little Cayman and viewed the 5,000 feet drop off in the ocean floor called Bloody Bay Wall. I, I have stood on the aqua shores of the Mediterranean Sea. I have looked down into an active volcano in Ecuador. I have hiked through the tropical rainforest in Peru and listened to the rushing waters of the mighty Amazon. I have stood on the south rim of the Grand Canyon and witnessed the colorful landscape. I've awakened uh, 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 to the fog burning off of the great smoky mountains. I have experienced the beauty and peace of the Sea of Galilee. I have been to the lowest place on the earth and floated in the Dead Sea. I have driven the 620 curves, count them, 620 curves on the scenic road to Hana in Hawaii and saw the flowing waterfalls, the plunging pools, and the breathtaking seascapes. But when it came to creation, God did not create a mountain to look like him. When it came to creation, he didn't create an ocean that resembled him. He didn't create a sea creature or a bird or a land-dwelling animal with his characteristics. But when he made man, when he made us, the Bible says he made us in his image. We look like our creator. What a privilege that is to know that he loved me so much that he made me look like him. We resemble him. Someone saw a picture that was posted on social media this week of me all dressed up at the DCC Newberry family reunion. And and, uh, I was dressed like Woody from Toy Story. And this person looked at the picture and commented on, on Facebook and they said, 
man, you look like your dad. Hmm. Three years ago this week, I lost my dad. What a great privilege it is for them to say, man, you look like your dad. When I was young, I, I would have hated that. But the older I get, the more I cherish that. Man, you look like your dad. There was something about that picture that showcased my resemblance to my earthly father. And as his creation, the artist currently known as God, <laughs> made sure that we resembled him. We have his eyes. We walk like him. We talk like him. But my favorite part is we have his spirit. We have his breath in us right now, passed down from generation to generation. Because when he breathed the breath of life into Adam, it has been passed down through humanity. The very breath that you're breathing right now is the breath of God. And you want to know why we worship and why we praise? Scripture says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You see, when you worship God, when you, when you exhale praises, all you're doing is returning the breath that he gave you back to him. Is he not worthy of it? Does he not deserve it? I don't ever want to be caught not praising, not worshiping. I, I want to make sure that when that opportunity presents itself, that I am exhaling my praise back to him. I want him to know that I'm appreciative of the breath that's in my lungs, the breath of life that he gave me, that I know I could not exist without. Job said it in, in Job 33 and 4 when he recognized that his life came from the breath of God. He said this, he said, the spirit of God has made me. And the breath of, all, of the Almighty gives me life. He understood it. But here's, here's the best part. When he created us, we were perfect in the Creator's eyes. We didn't need anything else. We, we weren't lacking anything. When he created us, we were perfect. James 1 and 18 says, He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word and we out of all creation, became his prized possession. I'm his prized possession. You're his prized possession. That's why he wanted you to look like him. You see, it wasn't that God was lonely. I think God was so impressed with himself, he said, I just want to make some others that look like me and I want to call them family. Because there's there's a lot of love to go around when you are love and God is love. Look at that person next to you right now and say, you look like God. I didn't say tell them they look divine. They do not. <laughs> but you do look like your creator. And he calls you his prized possession. And then God created a garden. And he put his prized possession in the middle of that garden. And he told them, he said, I'm going to make sure all your needs are met. I'm going, to, I'm going to supply food. You're going to have some responsibilities. I want you to take care of the garden. I want you to tend to it. But I'm convinced that work was, was so much easier than what it is now. And then he instructed them, 
on what to eat and what not to eat. What was life-giving and what was death-giving. What fruit produced wellness and what fruit did not. And he gave them specific instructions and he said, I want you to stay away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't partake of its fruit. Don't eat of it. And it was our curiosity to know more. It still haunts humanity today. You want me to prove to you how I know that you want to know more? Go a day without your smartphone. It'll drive you insane. Because it's, it's information right at your fingertips. We have this desire to know more. And Adam and Eve, they wanted to know more. And the enemy of their souls told them, he says, God knows that you'll be like him if you eat from this tree. And the problem with that is, God is a sovereign God. He is a holy God. He is a just God. And he is the only one that was supposed to know the difference between good and evil, right and wrong. It's the reason why we have a hard time when we know someone's past, when we know someone and how they've wronged someone else or what, whatever sins they've committed. It's because we look at them through the eyes of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and we judge. And we, we project shame and guilt and God said, that I don't want you to have to deal with that. Don't eat from that tree. I don't want you to deal with it. You're not created to deal with that. Let me be the one to deal with that. And there was no shame and no guilt until that happened. And immediately, you read the scriptures, immediately there's shame, immediately there's guilt. You see, God would come and, and meet with them and walk with them in the garden in the cool of the day. And God came looking for them after they ate, and, and they're hiding Listen, you can hide from God all you want to. He'll find you. He knows right where you're at. But they're, they're hiding from God. And God finally finds them, and, and they're covered in leaves. This, this was new. And, and, and God said, why were you hiding? And they said, because, because we were ashamed. We're, we're naked. We're nude. And God said, who told you that? This is not intuitive information. You just don't come to this knowledge on your own. Somewhere along the way, somebody had to put this, oh, you ate from that tree, didn't you? Now you see what I see and you're not capable of dealing with it. Creation sinned. They ran and hid from the creator in shame. I'm just thankful that God didn't leave us in the middle of that guilt, in the middle of all that shame. That he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross to be that sacrificial lamb for you and for me so that we don't have to live in that guilt and that shame. If you remember, after Jesus was crucified, there were some people that went to the tomb to check it out. In John chapter 20 and verse 1, it gives us some very important information as it relates to, to what I'm trying to, to share with you today. It says, now on the first day of the week, <laughs> don't miss it, the first day of the week, remember the first day of the week of creation? It was dark, it was void, it was empty. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. 
If you know this story, you'll know that, that Peter and John race to the tomb. They get there, they find that the tomb is empty. And, and, and then after they leave, Mary walks over and she sticks her head in and she looks in and sure enough, Jesus is gone. And the grave clothes were folded up really neat and nice. That's how I know he would have made a great husband. All folded up nice. She turns around, still not realizing what's happened, probably believing that someone had taken the body. She turns around and there's a gardener. And she starts having a conversation and she doesn't even realize that the gardener is the resurrected Jesus. Look at this. On the first day of the week, while it was still dark, in a garden. She starts having a conversation expressing her concerns over where maybe, maybe they had taken the body. And when she realizes that she's talking to a resurrected Savior, she realizes she's talking to Jesus, the Bible says she falls at her knees in worship to him. You see, this time humanity doesn't run and hide because this time humanity is, it gets to, to shed the guilt and the shame because of his resurrection. And then John 20 and verse 22 says, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. You see, God once again breathes new life into his creation. But, 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 but don't stop there. Right, listen, I went the whole month of July without preaching. Last Sunday, first Sunday back, and y'all make me interview a mission team. I'm taking you from Genesis to Revelation today. I am, because the creator isn't finished yet. Not only is he making us new again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and I'm thankful for that. Thank you, God, for making me new again. He's also creating a new and improved environment for us to live in eternity in, because there's going to be a third garden. The Bible describes this. If you go over to, to Revelation 21, I, I want to read some, some verses to you there. But, but in the chapter before, uh, the, this third garden is described. And, and, it, and it says this, that there is a, a river that flows from the throne of God and from the Lamb of God. Get this. From the throne of God and from the Lamb of God, the river of life flows right down the middle of the street. It says that, that there's a tree called the tree of life. Tree of life was in the original garden. They could partake of that tree. The tree of life, and it grows on each side of the river. So there's, there's two trunks, and there's, there, there's two root bases, but it comes up, and it forms one tree, almost like a tunnel over the river. And, and it says that on that tree, that, that, that it bears 12 crops of fruit, a fresh crop every month. And I love this. It says that the leaves of this tree are for the healing of the nations. What? A tree that every month it produces a different fruit and it's fresh and it brings healing. And the creator does what only he can do. He creates. Listen to Revelation 21 verses 1 through 6. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. 
He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. How many of you are thankful that one day we will no longer experience death, sorrow, crying, no more pain? Verse 5 says, And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and I am the end. That's why I have to believe this. It all flows. It all works together. And the word of God, Jesus Christ himself, is found throughout everything that we read here. It is life to me. London businessman, Lindsey Clegg, he told the story of a warehouse property that, that he was selling and, and that particular building had been empty for months, and, and, and it needed so much repair. Vandals had, had damaged the doors. They smashed in the windows and, and trashed the interior. And, and as he showed the prospective, uh, prospective buyer the property, Clegg, he, he, it hurt him to say that, that he was going to replace the broken windows and, and that he was going to hire a crew to come in and correct the structural damage, all trying to just to sell the building. He said, I'll get people here to clean out all the garbage that they've left behind. And the buyer said, forget the repairs. When I buy this place, I'm going to build something completely different. I don't want the building. I want the site. I tell you that because some of you Listen, there's too many Christians right now that we look at ourselves as renovated fixer-uppers. That's not what God did in your life. He said, behold, I am making all things new. You've got to stop living life like you've been fixed up. You've got to start living life like a new creation in Christ. When we come to Christ, the word is spoken over us and we are made new. God doesn't slap some paint over the blemishes. He doesn't repair a crack in the foundation. He creates. He makes all things new. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, the apostle Paul said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It's time that we as children of God, as blood-bought saints of God, that we start acting like new creations and stop letting what's happened in the past affect where God wants to take us in the future. We've got to start developing a mentality that says I am new in Christ Jesus. I'm not who they said that I was. I'm not my sins of the past. I'm not my mistakes. I'm not even who I thought that I was. When I came to Christ Jesus, he created in me a new heart, a clean heart. I am not who I used to be. It's time that the people of God start acting like we are new creations. And the reason why the past keeps showing its ugly head is because we think that we are less than. We think that we've been renovated. We think that there's still scars and, and we think that there's still cracking and we think that, that, that God just covered it up. Listen. I know that his grace can cover a multitude of sin, but his grace can also create all things new. He's not a recreator. He is the creator, and he makes all things new. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.